You're listening to Youth Ministry Maverick, a podcast about mold-breaking methods to invest in the next generation of the church. Here's your host, Jeff Harding. What's going on, everybody? This is Jeff. Welcome back to Youth Ministry Maverick. You're listening to episode 68, Destigmatizing Deconstruction. Well, this is the first episode this week of our two-episode week that we are calling Deconstruction Week. We have two different guests to talk about this evangelical buzzword, as it were, right now, uh, with many different accounts, figures, and communities tossing around and talking about the details of deconstructing faith. Our guest today is Kate Boyd. I'll let her introduce herself in a moment. Uh, But we spend our discussion talking about the root of what deconstruction is and how there are several elements in deconstruction that are helpful for our students and their faith. So let's hop into this conversation with Kate. Kate, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast with me today. I really appreciate it. Uh, For those who might not know you, can you tell us a little bit about you and your ministry and just what you do? Sure. Um, Well, like you said, I'm Kate. And uh, by day, I do communications work at a university. Um, By later in the day, I go to seminary. Um, And then in all of the other free time that I have, (laughs) I like... um, you know, I see myself as a person who writes and speaks and teaches um, the Bible by drawing together, you know, history, theology, and culture in order to help people better understand um, and relate and live out uh, what's in the Bible, but also, you know, their faith and follow Jesus well. So I'm discipleship obsessed and um, love to see things uh seeing people not just believing the right stuff, but doing and becoming um, Mm. the people that we're meant to be. So yeah, that's it. Yeah. Very cool. Well, becoming who we're meant to be is very on topic for what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, Today, we're talking about the common misunderstandings surrounding deconstruction. Uh, And that's an evangelical buzzword right now. Uh, There are cases where deconstruction were approached a certain way, Uh, with certain expectations can be detrimental. However, I think we need to remove the stigma from the term overall, um, break down what it actually is, uh, and why it should probably be on our minds, especially when we're doing youth ministry. So Kate, I'd like to start at the beginning with most of my guests, because I feel like it paints a practical picture for those who are listening and they can kind of place themselves and where they've been. Uh, So can you tell us a little bit about your journey with Christ and how you arrived to where you're currently at? Yeah. So I, um, when I was really young, we were sort of in and out of church. And then when I got a little older, um, like upper elementary school, I landed in a Christian school and then our lives became very church oriented. And so, um, I, you know, essentially more or less grew up in the faith then in that way in most of my formative years and by and large had really good, um, experiences. Um, and then when I was, after I'd graduated college and I was married, 
um, I ended up getting a job at a Christian missions organization here in the Dallas area. And I worked in marketing. So part of my job was um, really great in that I got to go around the world to where they worked and document some of what God was doing. And so I found myself sitting in all sorts of places across from believers who faced much more challenging things than I did in life um, and whose expression of faith looked very different and whose church communities looked very different Hmm. that I suddenly had to realize that um, I suddenly realized rather that a lot of what I thought was crucial or what I thought made Christianity, Christianity um, was actually very cultural, was very American, very evangelical, very X, Y, Z, enter the blank. And so it really sort of like shocked me (laughs) in a way I came back and was like, I don't even know how to process this information. And then trip after trip, I just like kept having to do that. And so it really sort of then forced me to re-examine how I think about um, what makes someone a Christian and what makes church church and what it looks like to be the presence of Jesus in the world. Um, And so that really kind of led me to where I am today in that, you know, I've I've got a a lot more flexibility in what I sort of see the expression of Christianity being um, and hold a lot more tension than I used to. I used to be very certain of everything. Now I'm certain of very little Mm. (laughs) when it comes to faith, but um, in a, in a lot of ways, that's a healthier place for me to be. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, I love that. And I feel like people who are watching and listening can probably see similarities in your story and theirs, um, especially <clears throat> for those of us who are in our generation, especially in the evangelical sphere or have a lot of familiarity with it. Um, and yeah, I do feel like it's our generation who really started making deconstruction a thing. <laughs> and um, yeah, we see it online everywhere. Um, over the last several years, there have been prominent people who have been within evangelicalism who have said, hey, I've been deconstructing or, hey, I'm no longer Christian and I'm in the process of deconstructing. And there's just a lot tied to that. So we should break down what it is. Uh, I think we should do it from a healthy perspective first, because if I mentioned it should be in our minds when we're doing youth ministry or really anything in ministry, then we should probably hear why it's beneficial. Um, So Kate, what are the basic traits of deconstruction And how can it be beneficial for us and our students? So I'll quibble a little bit with the idea that this is a new thing. I don't think it's new. I actually think it's very old. I think we just have vocabulary for it now. Yeah. Um, Because that's a better clarification. Thank you. Yeah. Because I think um, or and or we have more regular people in public life. Yeah. In which it's being discussed more. Mm -hmm. Because I think even if you look back, you know, I even trace deconstruction back to what Jesus was doing with his disciples, right? They thought religion was a very specific thing and was leading Mm. to a very specific outcome. And he had to undo a lot of that thinking in order to replace it with the right thinking. Um, And I think if we look at the Reformation, right, we're looking at the same sort of thing. They're questioning 
what is happening or where we are now and if it's the right thing. And some people said yes, some people said no, and there was a big split. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's a matter of, so that's what I think is happening. I think at its base, deconstruction is examining your long-held beliefs. Mm. Um, And I think that looks a whole bunch of different ways. Um, I tend to see like three reactions, you know, when you're presented with new information or you're forced to look back on what you believe, I think you either double down, right. And you dig in your heels and you stay where you are and you become even more adamant that that's the thing. And you just don't listen to any other input and maybe even fight actively against other things. Um, and then I do think some people demolish their faith, right. They just blow it up Mm. and then maybe they'll come back later and maybe they won't. And some of them have very valid reasons for doing that because of their interactions in church or with belief. And then I think um, the way that I sort of characterize mine more than deconstruction is disentangling, where I Mm. sort of, I kept Jesus because I knew that he was still the thing that I was sure about. And then I sort of then had to go and pull apart all the pieces to make sure, um, or to attempt to, I'm not going to do this perfectly, um, you know, pull apart what is cultural from what is, you know, actual core, um, to other things or what's flexible. Right. And so I think there are ways in which we can do that, that are healthier than others. Um, but, but yeah, I think everyone's process for doing that is going to look different. Um, but I do think we need to, you know, encourage spaces where we can have doubt and have conversation and, you know, accurately examine ourselves and, uh, the structures that we're a part of, um, you know, to make sure that we're on the right track. And I think that, uh, um, yeah, we, sometimes we just sort of are like, well, but things are going well, so we're not going to disrupt things, but, Mm. but that sort of is where then we start going off into where things aren't. And I think that's why you see a lot of people, um, now talking about it because we're seeing, you know, the fruit of, uh, sort of celebrity or platforming or, um, cover-ups, right. Because fruit was good, but character was bad. We're starting to see these. It's where we're starting to see like what we thought we believe and stood for and what is actually happening when there's that misalignment, people are then going, okay, well, if this is what it looks like to be, to like live this thing, then either I'm in the wrong spot or something is wrong with the people or something in between. Um, and so really deconstruction, I think for a lot of people is just sort of going back and examining all those ties and beliefs in order to make sure that they are um, not just believing the right thing or coming to new beliefs, but they have like that what they live and say and do are aligning with those things that they say that they believe. Yeah. Love it. Yes. Um, and as you're talking, even some of the verbatim language I feel like is what I've heard and been hearing on the rise and fall of Mars Hill podcast. Um, yeah. You know, just because you see certain results and fruit, it means that you can justify the means and how it, it gets there. And with all the fallout and trauma, people are realizing, oh, maybe that's not true. <laughs> um, yes, I totally agree with you. I'm, I'm so glad that you clarified the terminology with the idea because I think in both of our minds, that's why we see that this is valuable for especially young believers, uh, kids, teenagers to be able to kind of learn, okay, Jesus is at the center 
you know, we live here in America um, and here's kind of history of, you know, um, and obviously you can only go so deep with kids, <laughs> but teenagers, yeah. especially uh, when they're really kind of asking these questions. And, uh, you know, I've read uh, some things uh, online, which I'm sure you have as well about um, a better approach we need to take with this generation when it comes to apologetics or explaining our faith. And it's not so much like I need scientific proof that God exists. It's more identity. And it's like, cool, tell me why it matters. Tell me why it matters to my life when I go to school. Tell me why it matters when I'm making a decision about a relationship or choosing what to watch or not watch or listen to or not listen to. Um, you know, they, they want to know how it affects their day to day, which ironically, as believers, we should be caught up in that and we should be able to give an answer right, right away. But I feel yeah. like we have to stumble our way through it, talking a lot of Christianese and bringing up a lot of traditional structures because that's kind of how we were shown how you apply it. And it's like, okay, but really these students just want to know okay, no, tell me what I actually should do and how I actually should react, not just have a head full of, you know, the golden rule and I should be nice. And then when someone asks you a hard question, you're like, um, I don't know. And that's a good uh, response. Otherwise you might give some kind yeah. of party line rhetoric that means nothing, or it drives people further away because they say that you're inauthentic, that you're just a robot and you're not you're not thinking for yourself um so yeah I, I love that you kind of broke that down and i would totally agree going back to christ and um you know you have heard it said you have read this but i tell you this and that's exactly how rabbis taught but you know as a rabbi really and as someone who's making a big distinction he had to kind of do that and that's what i feel like we should do as believers and especially those of us who went interact with people who are coming in the door of our churches or schools or whatever else and they're like tell me more about what it means to be a christian and you're like well i'm actually still figuring still figuring that out but here's the core of our faith and here's what i've been learning you know yeah and i think it's really important to say you don't know or to own those things because i think sometimes we fall into this need or trap of being so certain and yes. so on the path. And yes. I think that's where when our faith gets shaken, then everything falls apart. Absolutely. Whereas like if we say, you know, I don't know, or let's figure that out together, or, you know, this is how I've thought about it, but maybe we can see a different or better way. And, and, um, I like how Pete ends. He says, you know, the Bible is about wisdom, not necessarily about rules. And so mm. we sort of look for, um, you know, what is the wise, you know, Jesus centered way to do this instead of, well, here's the exact right step because obviously, you know, scripture is sufficient, but it's not comprehensive, right? It doesn't tell us how to drive our cars or what movies to watch because we don't, those things weren't around. So, right, right. so it gives us, you know, filters instead to look through things. And yes. so it's just a matter of, you know, being willing to engage with that and knowing that there's going to be a lot of places where a lot of people land um, and those can all be good. And we can also just not know for sure sometimes. And that's mm -hmm. okay too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I talk about that a lot, whether it's 
um, with my students or people on here or whatever else. But, you know, I don't know, just like deconstruction should not be thought of as a four letter word or something that's terrible or that should induce shame and embarrassment. It should be an encouragement because it demonstrates your dependence on God, which we're designed for. Um, and really it can, it continues dialogue, especially if the person asking you a question like really wants to know. And this, and this, and these newer generations also really value authenticity. They don't want a talking head. They don't want just a bunch of information. They want to know what you believe and why it matters to you. And if, and if you're the old school, like I'm the teacher, so you can't question me, they're out on that. Yeah. It doesn't Um, work. (laughs) No, not at all. Not at all. And so, uh, it continues to like, you know what? I'm not sure. I need to go back and read that or listen to that. And then it continues the dialogue and gives you a chance to have conversation, um, which, you know, in, in community and conversation, one of my favorite professors in seminary is like, that's how theology has been worked out. And that's how it should always be worked out in community. Yeah. Um, so absolutely. Um, so let's give our listeners, um, you know, some examples of maybe approaches to deconstruction. I liked how you used that word demolition (laughs) uh, earlier, you know, some ways that maybe we've seen or things that they can be aware of um, if someone tells them or if they're in ministry and they have students or maybe other leaders who are like, you know what, I think I'm deconstructing. What are some things to watch out for that maybe can be detrimental, but can be in the umbrella of deconstruction? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think what's hard about deconstruction is that you don't always know that that's what's happening to you mm. until you're sort of in the middle of it, and then you happen across other people who may be doing it. Mm. Um, and I think that's sort of a value, right? Of of like social media and things like that, where we now have places where people are finding those communities, yeah, people who are similar. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what is maybe more helpful than even because again, they probably don't even know that this is sort of a process that they're going through at first. Right. Sometimes you don't realize it till you're like in the middle of things and you're like, Oh, now I've got a word for it. But before I didn't have a word for it. Like when I was deconstructing, I didn't have a word for it. There's a word for it now. Um, And so I think it's really just about like creating an environment where it is safe to ask questions, where it is safe to have doubt um, because you know, if people are doing that, that they're probably taking it seriously. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people will, I've seen a lot of like, people just want to leave the church or they're deconstructing out of the faith because they just want to sin. Yeah. And like, I don't know, that just makes no, like maybe some people, but they'll just leave. Like they don't care about building it in their image. They just want to leave because they're going to do their own thing anyway, or they're mm-hmm. going to do it in secret and whatever versus like, they're not going to examine their entire belief system <laughs> in order to justify it all the time. They're just going to separate from it. And so I think it's really important to not bring a bunch of assumptions into that, especially negative ones, because these are people who are probably really wrestling with some really big things, whether that's, you know, personally, or stuff that they're seeing outside, or even just things that they see in the Bible. And it becomes really, really challenging. Um, And so I think there's a lot of that. So I think what they're better served doing is, you know, walking 
with people through specific questions. But I think a lot of times we try to, like you were saying, we try to hand down knowledge. We need to give them tools, right? We need to help them know how to read the Bible. We need to help them know how to talk about things well with each other and with people who are before them. We need to give them people in their lives who Mm -hmm. are in various stages of life and faith so that they can have different input and community. Um, And so I think so much we try to just sort of like, we try to give them, right, the rule book and we try to give them the step one, two, three. And what they really need are the tools in order to find those um, and to deal with them because this is going to be something, honestly, that is ongoing, right? Um, As it should be. We should always be examining our beliefs and our motives and our actions to make sure that we're all aligned. And I think that's part of, you know, the power of the Holy Spirit and part of where prayer can be. But if you're not willing to self-examine or you're not willing to be humble or you're not um, talking with people from diverse backgrounds or different life stages or whatever, you might miss stuff because you've got blind spots. And so you've got to be willing to do all that. So I think that's really what it is instead of sort of like siloing people off or making them feel shameful about those things. um, You don't necessarily have to like put them on blast, but give them like the tools and the opportunity to be asking questions and finding answers with other believers. Um, And I think that in the long run is much more beneficial to everyone in their faith, because then every time this happens, they're like, oh, I've done this before. Now let me repeat the process with this new thing. And they can go back and they can continue to sift through. And I think that's really, that's a really important skill that we need. And that keeps people um, from that sort of double down mindset um, or thinking even that there's an either or when there's a lot of both and, Mm. and it keeps us in that um, space where we allow ourselves some flexibility and some time to wrestle um, with stuff. So I think that's really important. Yeah. Oh, I love that. It's, not either or there's a lot of both and that that's yeah that's deep uh and yeah that whole description you gave of we need to teach the upcoming generations how to think not just what to think and Mm -hmm. um it is important generations too but yeah (laughs) oh for sure and sometimes (laughs) based on what you would see on online dialogue maybe even more so current and past generations um and, you know, I, I think, well, I think a lot of um, social behavior, certainly, but even mental health and reflections and existential, whatever you want to call it, um, has been induced good or bad by social media. And, you know, I also read people saying like, we weren't designed to be able to know everyone and everything and what's going on what's going on all the time. No wonder we all have anxiety. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I wonder how much, uh, how much of this, like anything can be twisted, uh, by the enemy and really just kind of, uh, used as something that hopefully should make us realize what's at the center of our lives. Is it Christ or is it something we've made Christ into, which is a really good conversation I had with, with a coworker about people who are deconstructing and realizing you know, uh, Beth Moore is a great public example. Like over the last few years, I feel like out loud on Twitter, she's been like, you know, I've been told this and shown this and I didn't think it was right. Or 
I'm realizing I taught this for so many years now. I'm like, oh, and um, you know, I feel like that's very helpful because it's like we might think we have Christ in the center, but when you mentioned at the very beginning, like picking apart cultural things versus historical and then base theological things, how much of who we know as Christ or what we hold as Christ is, well, you know, he's a white American holding a flag. And I'm being facetious kind of, (laughs) but, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it is, it's help. It's walking along someone walking along. Uh, yeah. With someone who's asking questions and, you know, as youth workers who are listening and watching, you know, that's our job. And it's, I love to say that, you know, we shouldn't have students just settle for easy answers. We should always be telling them and teaching them how to ask better questions because Mm -hmm. if dependence is the goal, if faith, not knowledge is the goal, then we're always going to be realizing, yeah, I don't know. I guess I need to pray about that, learn about it, talk about it and realize there's some things, well, many things I'll never know. And so I need to just hear people's experiences, see where they're coming from and yeah, maybe there's a both and that I'm missing. Yeah, I think that's so good because I I think too, um, I was sort of taught, like you were saying, the easy answers. And so I was like, well, faith is easy, right? And then you sort of like get into the world and you're living life and you're met with these various challenges and you're like, wait a minute, it's not actually that easy and I'm not prepared, <laughs> um, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think it's mm-hmm. really important like you said, to get them to ask better questions. I say all the time, you know, I would, so I started seminary right out of college and had to stop because of some financial stuff and life stuff. Um, And back then I was like, I wanted all the answers. And now I'm in seminary because I want to know the questions to ask so that I can always, Mm. you know, be able to find answers or come to conclusions or wrestle with things in a way that is healthy and faithful. And so I think that's a really important, um, yeah, a really important set of skills that we should be passing on to everyone. I think that's such an important part of discipleship um, for all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I feel like my seminary experience was similar. Like I entered wanting that and um, and I graduated having knowledge, but really Shortly after that, in the one or two years after that, in my first full-time uh, post-seminary role, which is here at our church, uh, I started saying, okay, I have my seminary answers, but I still have all these questions. And in fact, I have way more questions than I had before. What do I do with them? So I'd yeah. match them against those answers. And I'd go back and talk to professors. I'd also read and I'd listen to people, watch people. And yeah, learning to ask better questions and just being openly teachable and seeking out to be humbled <laughs> um, is <clears throat> it's 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 always an adventure because you're always um, you're not gonna know what you're walking into you're not gonna know how it's gonna form you shape you thus shaping your students but uh, it's how I think we should we should be we should be you know hands raised glad to be dependent thank you Lord show me where else I'm missing the mark and where else, you know, I'm not listening to people who you've placed in my life who have valuable experiences you've given, you've given them to share, but because of my horse blinders, I'm just going to do whatever I want. And, um, yeah. And social media for sure has helped us whether we want to or not take those blinders off and see who's around us, not just what's around us and really 
you know, making sure that we're seeing the people for who they are as being made in the image of God and not just things that we disagree with. And we're going to raise our digital pitch, pitchforks and go after them, mm-hmm. which is what's happened with deconstruction, you know, just another Christian civil war online for people to sit, kick back and watch, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> Kate, let's, uh, let's kind of wrap up by telling people um, places that you found online or maybe other like authors or speakers or people that you found to be uh, offering really good insight when it comes to a healthy view of deconstruction? Um, so this is kind of tricky because I think uh, I, I have yet to find someone who is really central. So again, I'm sort of going to go to tools um, or some maybe more generalities rather okay. than some specifics that may be helpful as people yeah. are sort of exploring. So, I mean, I, I definitely think I'd say all the time, like the greatest tool in my deconstruction disentangling was the Bible itself and like dropping my assumptions, dropping what I thought I knew about it, what people had taught me and just reading it, you know, going back to the gospels and seeing Jesus for himself um, was hugely helpful for me. So I think that's helpful. And I think to community, right. Like being with people who um, are different, even if they're the same, like everyone's got sort of different experiences and skills and um, reading the Bible in community and discussing God in community is always going to be helpful. Uh, well, I say always, I won't say always. Um, I think there are times when it might, depending on the dynamics of said thing, but there are ways to do that that can be very help, healthy mm-hmm. and helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then I think just varying your input, right? Like I grew up in white American evangelicalism and I had some other experiences and exposures, um, but not to the extent that I think I do now. So, um, and even that is very poor compared to what it could or should be. And so I think it's sort of looking at, you know, people of color, people in different life stages, people in different parts of the world, um, and, and even people across political and theological spectrums. Like I think there's a temptation to sort of sit stuck. I mean, there's some people I follow online. I do not agree with any of their, like, I just don't agree with how they talk about the Bible or their conclusions, but I like that they make me think. And I like that they sort of challenge me. And I like that. And sometimes I do every now and I'm like, Oh, Hey, yeah, that's we're on the same page. Um, It's not very often with some of those folks, but it at least gives me a space to, um, to see what's out there and to sort of gauge. And I know by my reactions, then that I can sort of self-examine and figure out maybe where we're coming from or what's happening, you know? And Mm -hmm. so I think, um, or it forces me to go back to scripture and wisdom and things like that. So that I'm like, okay, so I, I know that my gut says that's not it, but what is it, right? What is the counterpoint to the point? And um, so I think it's just a lot of like that exercise. And of course, you know, prayer and allowing the Holy Spirit to work. I think God honors those prayers when you're looking for wisdom. Like that's what he says he gives you. Um, And so I think depending on where you are situated in any sort of spot, um, giving you specific people may or may not be helpful because, you know, I'm I'm situated probably in a different spot than you and maybe some of your and probably a lot of your listeners. Um, I don't seem to line up with anyone 100%. So, um, 
So like push yourself, allow yourself to get out there. So like find people that you disagree with and look at who they follow and follow some of those people or some of the people they retweet or that they share their stuff, follow them and see. And then of course the people that you agree with or, um, and then do the same thing. I just go through people's, you know, follow lists or look who they retweet. And I'm like, oh, I'm consistently, they're always retweeting that person. So I'm going to check them out. Um, and, and yeah, so I think it sort of depends on what your intention is in your deconstruction process. Um, because if you do want to demolish, you will find a ton of people who are out there who are willing to support you and, Mm -hmm. and like hand, hand, give you a built-in community around that. Um, and if you're willing to double down, same thing, but it's sort of this middle ground where it's a little bit harder and you kind of have to find all the people in all the places and, and do a lot of filtering. Um, but being exposed to so many different viewpoints then allows you to find your footing um, in in your own thing when you mm. especially pair it with, you know, biblical wisdom. And so I think it's really important to, to sort of keep that wide um, to avoid that echo chamber thing and yes. ask questions. Like whenever you see something, you're like, okay, can you explain that more to me? Or I'm not sure that I agree, but maybe I'm missing something you're saying or um, like if that's where you are, then what do you make of X, Y, Z? Cause I know I've done that sometimes, you know, someone posted something about reading the Bible and, or like the Bible isn't the Holy spirit or something. And I was like, okay, but how does that square with like the Bible being an inspired thing, you know, and to figure out the nuances. And then when she explained it, I was like, oh yes, we're on the same page then. Cool. But it was a matter of like, understand. So sometimes it's just having conversations with a lot of different people or asking the questions as they come. I think sometimes we're scared to ask questions because we're afraid to be foolish looking, but if we Mm. do so in kindness and with like a humble spirit, um, most people respond to that really well. Um, now if you just come out attacking people, that's a whole different thing. But I, so I think it's really important to know where, wisdom comes from, right. Ultimately. Um, and then, you know, seek that wisdom, but then seek experiences and opinions that are outside of your normal experience. Um, and a lot of that will sort of force the sifting if you haven't Mm. already. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, this, this conversation reminds me, uh, well, one, why I'm so grateful to talk to people who have more experience and knowledge about something than I do, because I love, with all and all these conversations I've had in the podcast, I love just listening and learning. And it reminds me of a series I did with our students um, several years ago now, where we basically spent almost the entire school year going through questions that they had submitted over a six week period through note cards in a bucket in the back of the youth room. And um, yeah, it was hard. It was frustrating. It was exciting coming up with, you know, looking at a different question each week and then hanging on to that question for a second week if we didn't really cover it. But I never had more dialogue with students, parents, or students and parents talking in 17 plus years of ministry than that. And many of those Sundays, we wouldn't land the plane in a nice, clean, here's the answer. Kind of like I just asked you, tell us the spaces and the people. You're like, well, there really isn't any, there's kind of a lot. And so how we would present it is here's the mainline Protestant position on this. Here are these other positions, go figure it out. And the first few times the students hated that. They're like, Oh, I just want to know the answers. That's why I asked the question. It's like, 
Okay, well, here's your answer. You have to go figure it out. Yeah. Uh, because, right, like scripture doesn't tell you, you know, how many PG-13 versus R movies should you watch? And, you know, and uh, it and and the questions they had were really good. Why is war okay, but murder is wrong? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, is it a sin to be cremated? Um, how come Jesus left and said the Holy Spirit is better? I think it'd be better if, if Jesus was here. You know, a lot of yeah, good questions. Yeah, those are great um, questions. And, and, and we were also careful to take the questions exactly how they were worded. We didn't say, well, you asked this question, so I assume you mean this. No, no, no. So the very first question we had, and my pastor came down and we, and we team taught it, was um, why would a loving God send people to hell? And we took it exactly as it was worded and said, wow, okay, here's what you're assuming with that question, the way you're saying it, and you might believe that. you know. Um, and so it's very important to really, like I think along that line, not assume that people don't mean what they're actually saying or asking and just saying, mm-hmm. well, you probably mean this because you don't know how to talk about this right. you know. And we make assumptions. And that's the, I feel like from talking to you and listening to you, the most dangerous thing we can do with deconstruction is make assumptions and just say, well, here's the answer or here's how you should be deconstructing. And we really just need to kind of take a very in some ways, hands off, certainly listening, walking alongside view, and just kind of being like, what are the questions you're asking? Why are you asking those? Oh, I can see why that would be traumatic. Oh, I can see why you're now questioning that. You know, that doesn't make sense to me either. You know, and you can really do that process along with them uh, while still, like for those listening and watching, you know, as a youth leader, you're setting an example, you're modeling for them well, and you have integrity, you want to have character. And pointing back to Jesus every time is the way to do it. <laughs> and so, um, yeah. Well, this has been great, Kate. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, can you tell us where people can follow you online and connect with you? Sure. Um, yeah. KateBoyd.co is my website. So you can go there and that's sort of the hub for all the other things. Um, and there you can join my newsletter um, called untidy faith, or you can grab one of my resources that will also land you on there. Um, and then, yeah, my podcast is called happy and holy. And I sit down with a couple of people that I've connected with in one way or another. And, um, we talk through two, uh, chapters of scripture together. So we'll sit there and it's like, you get to sit in on our small group as we sort of work things out together. Um, and then, yeah, social media. I'm on Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter, you can find me at the Kate Boyd and on Instagram at kateboyd.co. Very cool. And if you need a reminder about those, uh, check the YouTube description below. Or if you're listening, you can check the show notes and I'll have those links in there. And you give us a spot to listen to on your podcast. We can hear you and some others talk about how to go about scripture, especially with that mindset. Uh, well, Kate, thank you so much for coming on and I'll be praying for you as you continue helping others think about what it means to deconstruct and to focus on Christ. Thanks again so much. Thanks. That concludes today's episode. Thanks again to Kate for joining us. You can find all of the contact information she listed in the episode show notes or in the YouTube video description. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it. And if you haven't checked out our YouTube channel yet, please go check that out and subscribe there as well. 
We have all of our episodes on YouTube starting this season. Also, every Friday, only on YouTube, we have a special five-minute segment called The Fantastic Friday Five. So go and check that out this Friday. On our website, youthministrymaverick.com, you can find all of our episodes, a complete list of our guests and their bios, a list of organizations to help you in your own ministry, some articles I've published, a store to support the podcast, and more. So go check that out. You can also find all of our social media handles on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We appreciate ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts so we can be more seen. And if you leave us a review, not just a rating, but a review, take a screenshot of it and send it to me, and I will send you a personal thank you card with some merchandise you can't buy on the website. That's all for now. Hope to see you on YouTube this Friday. But until next time, thanks for listening. Adios.